euphoria especially you will know that because you just heard the intro just a couple <laughs> minutes ago that's how you know Huda thunk it Huda thunk it today I am joined by another first time I'm getting a lot of first time guests which is great my first time guest happy not to be the only first exactly it will not be the only first get first time guest and co-host Mo and Mo. It's me. It is you. And Mo, who I would say is an artist of many ilk. I got a lot of skills, dude. Got a lot of skills. A lot of skills. skills. Mo, (laughs) give the people some of your skills. First off, Mo and I have known each other for probably a good going on. I was a pretty, I was a child. You were a I child. Was a young teenager. Going on 15 years, I'm thinking. Possibly. Um, I, I think that that's plausible. We have performed on the stage together. Many a times. Many a times. Many, but, many. You know, towards the end there, I was really just supporting the stage. Like, I. Many a good time. Mo and I um, also had a perilous time together oh, backstage oh. Um, working in crew for a teenage production oh, of Cats. We don't talk about Cats. Which um, I think. I would say that we both have mild 
PT, PTSD yeah, when we hear PTSD. when we hear the soundtrack when we see um, certain poses. <laughs> I don't want to see your paws. We, we have seen <laughs> you know who you are. We have seen certain individuals that have continued to on stage embody this kind of cat like <laughs> um, experience. <laughs> You know, we the, know what you're doing. Yeah, we were there. We saw it. We felt it. We felt your sweat. We did not want to feel your sweat. Also, your pain. You know, and your pain. The folks being rushed to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was really. A, I mean, a, a time. it, it was experience. it was perilous, but I was happy that Mo was by my side. Yes. Yeah. It could have been worse. I I could have not been with you. <laughs> you could have not been with me. True. <laughs> but so give the people. What they would like to know, and tell us some of your interests, your passions, your I know artist is very broad, but she is truly an artist, so please share uh, yeah i i I guess I'm involved in a lot of different kinds of art. I mean I think that people mostly know of me as a photographer, um but that was just something that I was doing. Well, I mean, I know, but it's just like, it's kind of weird because my favorite form of art to do is music, but yes. most folks know me as the photography guy. And it's like, <laughs> that's chill. That's chill forever. I, I definitely will use that skill set to, to help support the other stuff that I'm doing. But I, you know, I recently got into uh, visual art as well mm-hmm. in general. I used to, I, you know, pretty familiar with Photoshop and all this stuff. I, I am trying to learn how to put together videos now too. I don't know. Like, oh, yeah, I like, didn't know that. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. I'm I'm figuring out how to use all of my talents to construct what I've been trying to construct, honestly, since I was a kid. So we're going to see. It's all see. coming. It's all coming. To, to fruition. Yeah. You know what I think, which is interesting, when you kind of get, not pigeonholed, but kind mm. of, you were like, oh, it's a photography guy. Yeah. And yes, <laughs> I would definitely say mow that oftentimes, but oftentimes... You would be seen with the camera, the camera. on you at all yeah. times. I mean, I you def- I, I wouldn't say anything. I was like in the corner, like blinding everybody with the flash. Amazing <laughs> candid photographs. Of yeah. The best, ama- most amazing candid photographs I've ever Dude, seen. I didn't of- even realize at the time. Like now when I look back on those like photo albums, I'm like, dang, this is like photo journal. Like I was like sitting here like being the photographer of this entire community. But at the time I was like uh, really not, not very nice to myself internally. So no. it's kind of... I like at all and I'm just like wow like you're like kind of walking around sort of creating a name for yourself here kid like you know like good for you I mean you gotta uh, like you gotta you gotta hype up your your past self because you couldn't do it in the moment you know I mean I look at some of those photographs and sometimes they're of an evening just sometimes it's a random evening and you can look at different different shots of different people's faces and it's like knowing the perspectives of different dramas and things like that going on you're like oh my god this photograph says it all and mo doesn't even understand don't mo doesn't even realize what i was just i was just like picking what up they've on, captured right I was here just picking up on people's energy and then and, and just clicking about it like i i always like kind of saw something i you know yeah. i didn't even have to know what it was i just went ahead and tried to capture it to the best of my ability that's great but i think that you once you kind of get pit not pigeonholed but it's kind of you're like Mm. well maybe that's my thing but I think especially in the last couple years for you Mm. you've been able to really open up 
and like all of your receptors i like to always say are kind of activated yeah and it's like oh no i'm a writer and a visual artist Mm -hmm. and a musician a guitarist and a singer and a poet and because I associate all of those things with you and yeah. a style fucking icon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let us not. I, I will own that one. I mean, I the style it. icon, when I see, <laughs> there used to be, there used to be an article in the plain dealer when people, when there was really a, still a plain dealer, like when it was truly a Cleveland newspaper. Yeah. Now it's, what is, whatever a is. shell of something. Sure, sure. Um, and also, people don't really pick up physical papers that much. But there used to be a style section once a week. And there would be like a roving style photographer. And they would select different people of like this person that they saw on the street that were like, in their mind, the epitome of style. And I was always like, Mo needs to be selected <laughs> for this. Because it was always like such... It was either... It was always people that were like, yeah, you're dapper or, you know, fancy. But it was very, you know, staid. Like, Mm. obviously, like, he's wearing a Brooks Brothers suit or she's in, you know, those shoes cost more than my entire wardrobe. But it wasn't really capturing, Mm -hmm. to me, like eclectic Cleveland style. Sure. But I was like, that needed to, I'm sure also the fashion editor was someone in their 50s. So. Fair enough. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not to be, I mean, a style, that that person needs to be younger. And I think Cleveland has come leaps and bounds, but definitely would also put, because I always thought that you would be a very good stylist as well Ugh. have you ever done any styling of folks? i am nervous about styling others because i just know what works well for me and some people are really kind of they have their own particular vibe and so like, right. i think that's why like i enjoy doing photography because i can really pick up on people's vibe and sort of like see them as that but in terms of like trying to pick up pieces for other like for other people, that actually is something that's really challenging for me. Like I tried yeah. to do it before and it does not go well because what happens is I pick out stuff that I would like to wear. Um, and I'm very hyper aware. I'm like, wow, this really isn't this person. Am I trying to turn this person into me? So yes. while it seems as though that <laughs> you're like, yes, do that. Yes. Do you see how fucking cool I, I look? Love, but I love people's like each person's like thing. And, right. Yeah. I, I want to help draw it out of them. And I don't think I can do that very well with, uh, with, with, uh, with fashion, but I do it in other ways. Like no, most notably with the, with the photography. Yeah, I wore a cape last night. I saw oh, no I saw fabulous. no I saw no capes out last night, but it was in honor of I have this old it's gorgeous. It's vintage and it is a old coat from literally World War 1. It was a oh, medic coat. Wow. The American Red Cross yeah. labels inside. When I got it, I got it when I was like 16 and I got like arm holes actually cut in it. So I've devalued it already because I destroyed it. And But I needed to make it functional. And it has a velvet collar. And I wore it in honor of the passing of the good, the great, the amazing yeah. Andre Leon Talley. Um, Vogue fashion editor for years. <laughs> just A lot of folks passed away, have passed away these last couple weeks. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm not putting Andre Leon Talley and Meatloaf in the same category or Betty White. These are all very different people, but 
Andre Leon Talley, another recommendation for folks. If you don't know who he is, he's truly iconic. And um, he was, um, I mean, <laughs> a complete outlier. And if there was a human being that had zillions of things stacked against him to excel in the fashion world, it would have been this African-American man that was brought up in the Jim Crow South. Darling, this um, person passed. Yeah, so I highly recommend you all. I'm like looking them up now and I'm realizing that I know who you're talking oh, about. Oh, yes, you know Andre. Oh, with his no. caftans and his capes. That it, is really sad. Full glory. I mean, that man was pretty fantastic. And um, spoke fluent French. Had a full scholarship, um, like, I believe to, uh, where did he go? Oh, he was friends with folks from RISD, but, um. Oh, this baby was 73. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even look it, though. No. Oh, he took care, good care of that skin. Good lord. He was at an esthetician office. You know what they say about black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but you can say it. <laughs> But he, um, and he also had the ear of, he also had the ear of a completely, like, white-led industry. Yeah. Um, and the respect of an international group of, um, stylists and fashion designers. I mean, he was... Carl Lagerfeld was the biggest dick in the world. Mm. Really. A truly awful human being. A great designer for Chanel. But an evil German prick. But Andre Leon Talley, I mean, he loved Andre Leon Talley. Mm. He also spoke, Andre Leon Talley often, often spoke fluent French. Like, by the time, like, he studied it in high school and it was like his grad studies. Mm. So he could meet all of these designers where they were at. Yeah. Which it's like, I'm going to shatter your expectations Mm -hmm. because you're not going to think that this six foot three black guy who's wearing a cape and velvet is going to speak fluent French and know about, you know, a 45 year old fashion house. And he did. And people bowed to him genuflected so andre that cape was yeah, in your honor absolutely i hope what a beautiful tribute this was i yeah i hope <laughs> i hope i w- would have done you proud oh. i don't think you would have been happy with the shoes i wore with it but it is snowing and icy in cleveland i had a full other shoe situation i don't get out much because yeah. of this it's hard to get people to do things yeah. Because you have you noticed we haven't talked about Euphoria yet? Oh, boy. Sorry. Oh, boy. We're getting there. But it is... Um, we just, like, haven't found the perfect segue. We, we have. Well, fashion is a good one. So fashion kind of is a good segue because it's one of the huge elements mm-hmm. of Euphoria. Now, Euphoria has just started its second season... Yes, um, after much, much time. Much, much time. Respects. I was like, kind of actually surprised. Like, when I found out that the premiere was going to be soon, well, a couple weeks ago, I, I was like, really? It just kind of seemed fake. <laughs> well, HBO has taken, of, I think, of all of the networks, man, yeah. it has taken, they've taken a long time to roll out some of these shows. And I know that they're, I know they're having to, obviously... You know, I know they have all the money. They got all the money as a network. 
Um, but I think they also want to do things right. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're also working within, within the constraints of na- uh, international pandemic. Not the pandemic. Not the pandemic. Um, but when I, saw, when I saw that first episode, though, of the second season, because it Ugh. quite a large amount of it, and we'll go back to it, revolves around a New Year's Eve party. And there's a huge amount of people and a huge amount of extras. So I was like, all right, this is why this took so long. Yeah. Because the amount of... Everybody would have had to quarantine for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So for a couple you, of weeks, I mean. So you had... You did not have like an an intimate... I thought we were going to start off with a pretty intimate episode with maybe mm, four characters. Yeah. And I was like, uh-uh, we are not. And this is what probably took... So long. Were your nerves shot this entire episode? Because I was having a rough time. I kind of wanted to play like Animal Crossing <laughs> and just sort of also consume this new episode. But like I was like holding my switch like up to my chest and kind of staring at the television with like a wide mouth the entire time. And I couldn't. But- I, yeah, I had to. And I'm not kidding you when I tell you this. And this is so counterproductive when you're watching <laughs> the premiere of like. The worst thing we that has happened now is that you can, like, I have HBO Max, and you can just pause it, right? Nothing is really live anymore, so you can right. just pause it. And I'm like, I had to pause it a couple times, because I, I, um, I felt overwhelmed. And I, all I could think about was, so Sam Levinson, who's the director of this, yeah. a lot he's of... He's an interesting person. He is an interesting fella, and he's a he's a... He's in current recovery. He's a yeah. he's an addict um, himself. Um, so he's he yeah, suffered. He based the character of Rue after himself. Yeah, he's definitely suffered with you know he's dealt with his own demons. But if you see anything that Sam Levinson has done, um, assassination was probably I think that's I know he's done more things, but that was the only other thing I was familiar with, and. When I watched that movie, I had to lay down afterwards mm-hmm. and like not, and like kind of, and like turn off lights in my house because mm-hmm. the sensory overload, because I feel like, you feel like you're in a music video. Yeah. I feel like I'm in that music video. There is a band called The Prodigy from the 90s that was part um, house music, like EDM, part rap, um, part rock. They were like, uh, in the late 90s, they were like on the bill for Lollapalooza. They were from Great Britain. Definitely look them up. Yeah. Um, um, Smack Your Bitch Up, Firestarter. Those are like their two big hits. But the video for Smack Your Bitch Up, that's what I felt like. Folks out there who have seen that will know. I felt frenetic and like I couldn't breathe. Assassination Nation is a movie that is based a lot around some themes in euphoria because it's a lot about what would happen if your phone was blasted out to everyone so your texts that you had shared with people and of course it revolves all around a high school and for like queen bee girls right and essentially all of their dirty laundry is blasted and people lose their ever loving mind violently, mm-hmm. violently. So it is a lot of violence, a lot of sex, a lot of music, um, and a lot of frenetic energy. And 
I did not love it. <laughs> um, but I understood where he was getting. He um he also has um a character. He also had um Hari Neff in Assassination Nation, who um is transgender mm-hmm. and plays a transgender teen in Assassination Nation, but a very um already in the popular clique of girls mm-hmm. and it doesn't really become as much of a storyline as I think realistically like I think it would have been a bigger deal than mm-hmm. they have in this it's brought up a little bit and kind of in a similar way with Rue but she's still too cool for school like the amount of confidence that the Hari Neff character has I'm mm-hmm. like that's amazing. Is this real? Not sure. Not sure. Um, but again, it's... There's... Do you think that the, uh, the trans teenager representation is more accurate to you with, uh, with the jewels? I think all of it's a fantasy. Well, of, of course. All of yeah. it's a fantasy. It's hyper everything, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think... But I mean, like, I guess I mean in comparison to what you're saying about Hari Neff's character in this other uh, Sam Levinson pro- project. I guess what I was confused about the Hari Neff character, because I've seen Hari in other... In other she, she was in a season of You mm-hmm. in which... It, that was not part of the storyline. She's also a model. She's also a model. Like that's where I saw most of her um, she, modeling. And she's... Hari has a zillion faces. She's sure. definitely yeah. a model. Like, mm-hmm. she looks so different from, like, she looks very different in You, where she plays a hilarious um, young writer who's already been, like, she's, like, a collegiate-level writer, but that she's already been published and she's beloved. And um, everybody's trying to, like, all of these other writers are trying to become essentially her. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is no... Um, there's nothing about her being trans or anything that that is not at all part of the storyline, mm-hmm. which I love. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, she's just a she's an actress, and I don't want you know. It's great if it doesn't matter, but I'm think I feel like Sam Levinson had an opportunity to make it more clear with her character in Assassination Nation because things are alluded to. Um, with some of her sexual encounters, but it's not really like hit on. And I thought, I essentially, I thought it was sloppy baby work. Okay. And it was like, and I thought it got a lot more refined by the time he gets to euphoria hmm. and he's dealing with the jewel situation. Hmm. The jewel situation, half the time, not, I hate calling this situation, but <laughs> the, half, the, the jewel situation, <laughs> Jules is a magical. To me, like a you know, she's a magical Sailor Moon fairy princess, sure, as Fez yeah. calls her. There's some. Sa- <laughs> I met this girl. She's like, I don't know, like a Sailor Moon girl. I think you're gonna be friends with her, and I'm like, yep, because she she just is. But it's also heartbreaking because she is in this, like I call it this, like search for femme femininity or something, and. She's not only putting herself in crazy dangerous situations with predatory men, 
I mean, not to give away everything, guys, but in the season one first episode, she is, by all accounts, raped. I mean, essentially, she would not, I don't think the character... Well, she doesn't want to view it that way. She pretends that right. it's happening to someone else, and she's far away. And yeah, she's she, actually having a nice moment. Like, if you have to rationalize that right. way, you're really not in a very good situation. And it's with a man who is much, much, much older than her. Much older than her. And, you know, doesn't even question her age or anything. Just goes for it. But um, that character is questionable for several reasons. Right. And the Jules character, um, it's... When I mean it's it's one of those situations where every episode I see Jules in, every episode I see Ruin, I'm like, okay, this is the episode where one of them gets where killed, one of them dies, where yeah. one of them because they put themselves in such precarious situations. I mean, the beginning of Euphoria to give, let's give a little summary of how this starts off. We are through most of the series. Um, although it reflects on different characters in different episodes, our main character is um, Rue, played by Zendaya. 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 Right. Oh my gosh! I never say it right. I always Zendaya. 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 As in the bright, shiny, beautiful day. Oh, that's, you know what I mean. So much better. Just like her. I mean, and I will say, there's nothing that I have seen her in that I don't love, except. Mm. I did not enjoy Malcolm and Marie. I heard some really, really bad things about that. And it wasn't, it wasn't her. Wasn't that a Sam Levinson project? It was. Well? Yeah. It was. And it was just, and it was made right in the middle of the pandemic. I just feel like, like you know, like, I'm going stir crazy. I got to make something. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> what are we doing? You know, it, it, it's something that, it, look, it would live on a stage better. It's sure, sure. Two people. That's what it seemed like in the trailer. I just thought... Uh, and, and listen, I'm. it might be based on like a play. a two-person show. Yeah. It might be a two-person show. I also, I don't want to see this two-person show <laughs> of this fucking egotist, which is... Who has a sizable age gap with Zendaya. Um, mm-hmm. So that movie, you have this... It's the night of an award show, and it's... Um, I don't know. I can't. He has like three names. He was also in. If you guys the could see me right now, yes, my arms, arms are, are moving. Yeah. Um, come on. It's You're the gonna guy. Gra- you could grab it from somewhere. Maybe it's, it's over here. It's you know? the guy who did in the movie Inception. The guy who did the movie Inception. What is his name? Um, when I say that, sometimes it comes through. Christopher. Tenet. He did the movie Tenet. So this okay. dude was like the lead in Tenet. He's Denzel Washington's son. Yeah. Because it was Denzel Washington's son, which I can't remember his name. I apologize. And Rob Pattinson. And he's great in that. And I loved him in it. And then I see this movie and I'm like, kid, you are insufferable. Please leave him, Zendaya. It's a long, and it's too long. Why are there so many um, movies or shows or wherever where you're, you're kind of focused in on very particular characters for long periods of time, but, like, they're not very likable? Like, I, I've noticed this a lot, uh, especially recently. And, I, you know, I probably, if I'm talking out of my ass, I should probably come up with some examples, but I don't have them. 
Uh, Most just like in general, there's in like general, a lot of there's unlo- a lot of unlikable characters. Like I don't know. Well, so I'm someone who really loves characters. That's why I like ensemble shows like Euphoria because right. there's so many characters. Even though I usually end up, my favorite character is usually like the underdog character. Like right. my, my favorite character in this show is Lexi, actually. Which is oh. not someone who takes very uh, center stage, but I think that that's probably why, because it sort of speaks to my own experience. I like Lexi too. Yeah. I like her, but um, well, I think the intention of the movie mm-hmm. um, wasn't the same thing as the outcome of this Malcolm and Marie movie. Sure, um, because I think he, the character who is a, a producer, a movie, a movie making guy. Um, has surrounded himself with, yes, people in sycophants. And he's very happy to be lauded and uh, told how amazing he is. But I feel Mm. like you have the perspective of his partner. And you see a lot. And I think a lot of it is based on, like, the expressiveness of Zendaya. And you Mm. can just see that this is wearing on her. Mm. Like... Where is me in this relationship? And I don't know mm. if the intention was to make him as unlikable I, as, more, as much as it was to show a reflection of a relationship that is at the brink. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the, also the, you know, the, what I call just the, you know, the false promises of an artist in their muse because she is essentially his muse. But he, and he uses her story in a movie without really asking her. And he thinks that's okay. So that is really the base of the conflict of their relationship. And, um, and a lot of it has to do with the politics of their relationship. They're, you know, you've got the age thing. You've got a lot of that, you know, a lot of that. And I think he feels that he might have been at one time her savior you know, like she was <laughs> saved by me, but he's, you know, he's a big personality and we've all known those people, but that was a big detour. Thank you for reminding me that was a Sam Levinson, but yeah, he did that in the middle of the pandemic, Yeah. but Euphoria is really based on Rue. When we meet her, she's either 16 or 17. There's some red conning, I would say with this at times, because essentially there is a group of kids in this high school that are supposed to be around, supposed to be really juniors, while there's another group that are seniors. And they tend to... Be in each other's classes. <laughs> yes, sometimes they're in each other's classes. They're definitely in some of the same social circles together, yeah, which... It's kind of confusing. Which, 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 which happened to me, like, in high school. That's yeah. not so weird. Um, and then you have, like, one character who's in college... Who's like that typical guy, McKay, McKay yeah. who was a football star. He's dealing with his first year in college. <laughs> and we all know this person. And he keeps on coming back and forth to like the high school parties and stuff. Because he's, uh, you know, he's he was a big fish in a small pond in high school. Now he's a small fish in a big pond. Yeah. Um, so those are a lot of characters. But we're really going through. It's the summer going into the junior year for Rue. And she's had quite the summer because she ended up in rehab after an overdose in which her sister played 
beautifully by Storm Reid. I love Storm Reid. She like does an amazing performances on this. On this oh, show. it it just yeah. it. She breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, because you feel her absorbing so much of the conflict in this house between mm. Rue's mother and Rue. And Rue. I mean, sometimes they're like yelling at each other, throwing things at each other, it's slamming each other vicious. Walls, and she's just standing there crying because, like, what can she do? Yeah, because and also a lot of this is you come to find out. Um. This isn't the reason, but Rue's father um, passed away a few years prior. Um, cancer of some sort. I don't know mm-hmm. if they say leukemia or... It's pretty heartbreaking because you could tell that that was definitely the parent that she was closer to. Mm-hmm. So she has a loss of that. You also come to find out that Rue, which was... Very indicative. Not really my generation as much, but I would say, I'd say the millennials, this happened to a lot of them, kids getting medicated very, very early. Mm. Um, it's, Rue is diagnosed very early on. Way too early. Way too she early. She looks like she's like barely past five years old. I mean. And they were just like, oh, you're staring at things too much. You yes. have OCD, you have ADD, you have, you know. Like, you might have bipolar, you might have this. And I'm like, first oh off, God. to tell that to <laughs> a child a that child. age. Yeah. I can't even imagine the added anxiety of that. And Well, um, you're just always going to feel like, Yeah. I'm this person, and I have all of these things, and that's just who I am. Right. I have to be medicated. Something is inherently wrong with me, and I need this medicine, this medicine to be okay. And then you expect uh, that person to grow up and not be someone who is relying on drugs to feel okay. Absolutely. And I knew I went to school with so many people that <laughs> this happened to because yeah. they were essentially addicted to drugs by the time that they were 10 years old. Mm. And they didn't know it. And then then you would come in and they're... How would they even know better? That's well, their pediatrician life. would take them off of something. And they would take them... they're withdrawn. And they? what do you think happens? Mm-hmm. They're going to go for something bigger. I mean, it's just an endless cycle. But it's so frustrating watching this one episode where Rue goes back a lot in time um, with her experiences. But they show her as a little kid and she's just... She's counting. And which is always an indication if you're counting, if you're fixating on certain numbers, that that might be a sign. That might be a sign. That um, was actually like really interesting. That's what really drew me into the show to begin with because I never actually seen that depicted because I actually had some, I have like counting problems. I actually right. have been diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, but I used to have to count everything and I couldn't count to 10. It had to be one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Really? One, two. I couldn't count to ten. And then also, anytime someone said a sentence, I had to count how many letters were in the sentence. And if it didn't um, end in a zero, a five, or was a double, like 22 or 33, I had to fix the sentence so that it would be that. Like, I would add a the, or I would, like, you know, or add an and that wasn't in there before. And I was doing this constantly, just internally. Like, you know, you've known me for a number of years. What? So if I'm sitting there silently not saying anything, it's because I'm, I was literally sitting there counting the the letters so like when i first started watching the show i was actually really excited like i really related to to rue a lot right and it seems like of course this is television too but it feels like at one point they show her mom oh my god she's so little too and her the amount of pills that they're giving her yeah i mean 
I was like, this yeah. seems like a lot no, of drugs no, in this system. Yeah, that that was actually really disturbing. Yeah. I, I'm glad that that, <laughs> that didn't happen to me. Yeah, I mean, I think they, and I do think that from what I've told, what I've been told, especially from people my age who have kids that are like tweens now and a little bit younger, that they're not as, doctors are not as... <laughs> Just ready to eager to, to throw the. They have seen the pills. This become throw the pills. Well, case. they saw it become a problem, definitely with my generation, um, and the generation behind us. So maybe now they're like, hey, maybe we, maybe we'll do some other things before we just start throwing as much drugs in their bloodstream as possible. And also, on top of that. She has addictive. She has an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. She just does. She became addicted to this person. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And just I mean, substituted, just substituted the drugs out for uh, this Jules character, who's the the trans character we were talking about earlier. Right. And I mean, the moment, and it's funny before you even. It's not funny. It's pretty sad. Like you know, from Rue's point of view, even though she's. You know, she had this summer, she spent this time in rehab, she's about to start back to school. She she has no intention of staying straight. Yeah. There's, I mean, she starts using, what, the second day she's back? Mm-hmm. When she um she visits, there's Fesco, who is, <laughs> yes, he is the drug dealer to the teenagers, and he's also one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he's um, the best. Which seems really wrong. Him, him and his... Well, I mean, he's also like a just like a a kid who's just dealing with his circumstances. Absolutely, yeah. That's the thing. He's a kid too, mm-hmm. and um, in the second season, not to spoil it, but it opens up with Fez's backstory, <sighs> and a lot of things start making sense of why Fez is who Fez is after that. And he didn't even have a chance. Yeah. I mean, not this a, was the person he was telling him what the world was. And I mean, and it's like he, it seems as though he had a sense too, that this is probably isn't really what it is, but like, this is what it is that I know. So that's, this is what I'm doing. Right. Exactly. He was learning everything from this woman who, um, yeah. And the second season you are, you are introduced to who they call Gangster Grandma, who is played... Gangster with, Grandma. Gangster Grandma, who is played by Artie Bucco's wife, Charmaine, from The Sopranos, which is the greatest discovery ever for just for uh, Sopranos fans out there. Oh, they wow. just threw a blonde wig on her. And Sam, <laughs> Sam Levinson is very smart because they put her in this car at one point and behind her... The Sopranos, I don't know if you've ever seen the show, but oh, a lot of the action how iconic it is for folks. Yeah, right? happens at the Bada Bing. The Bada Bing oh, okay. is a strip joint. It's sure. also that Tony Soprano owns, but it's really a front. Mm-hmm. You know, real, it's the yeah. mob. So they the own a couple TVs. business. They also own Saturales, Meat Market. It's all fronts to mm-hmm. launder that money. But there's a very iconic, like, sexy lady with her, like, legs up and her, her, baboos um like leaning back in like the silhouette of her for bada bing and sam levinson made sure that a very similar silhouette was mm-hmm. behind uh the grandma okay this woman is not your typical grandma by the way she comes in <laughs> she comes in with guns blazing literally dude um, she just th- shot that guy's thigh i was surprised she didn't shoot it it off yeah right? i thought I'm she was surprised. gonna shoot also, Euphoria, and something that Sam Levinson has gotten a lot of 
slap from I will we we have been told that all of these um there is a lot of male genitalia. I will. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of nudity in general. Isn't that the case on HBO? Period. I mean, there's just so many yes, dick and balls. Yes, but usually not. Usually, dick and balls. <laughs> usually, you know what I hated the dick and balls in the first episode of season two, where the guy was like sitting on the toilet. I did not need to see that. No one needed to see it, like at all. Like, Sam Levinson loves it, and it's. I think it's his clever. He thinks a clever way because. Yes, HBO is known for their nudity, but it's usually known for their female nudity. Yeah, and so like, like like Game of Thrones. And not only We're flipping the roles. We're flipping See look, it's just not naked girls that are getting raped. Like Game of Thrones was a lot of that. And I'm like, first off, this person's we have to see this full thank you, Game of Thrones again. Um so maybe this is his response, but there are um Stunt penises used, so body doubles and um, pornographic actors and sex workers. Who so have we're been going used. through all of this. We're hiring <laughs> porn workers just so we can get dick and balls on the screen. This is what we're doing. Well, here I will. <laughs> yes, we are. But you know what? I'm glad if it's given people some work. I'm happy. Um, sure, sure. If you're going to give some, enough, let's enough. give some sex workers some work in a yeah. safe environment. You know, they're going to have to go through all the, the pandemic protocols. Um, and I also think, I don't know if it, I don't know if it was a, I don't know if it was a thing with the male actors, but there was a lot of them that I'm sure they were like, make sure people know that, you know, <laughs> that's not mine. It's not mine. <laughs> Although not to be crass but most of these members that are shown are them not the members don't say that (laughs) (laughs) dicks most are what i would call almost comic comically large to the point that i'm like yeah i mean these are some of these people are supposed to be teenagers it's like that scene when our villain nathaniel is his name nathaniel nate Nate. i I like to call i like to call him by his proper name because i don't appreciate him and i don't want to be casual with his correct (laughs) such an asshole um when he's standing there and he's all uncomfortable because all the dicks are around right and like these are supposed to be like teenaged boys and i'm just like okay Right, and again, oh boy. I mean, I have not spent time in a male locker room, nor would I ever want I to. Know. I don't think I'm ever going to do that. No, it <laughs> looks absolutely dis- I By all accounts and purposes, I've been told it is a disgusting place to be in. Oh, no. And yeah, my, my brothers are always told me that. Because my, 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 especially my one brother, he played, he was an athlete up into college. And he's like, um, just there's, he's like, there's just no table manners. There's just no manners. Oh. He's like, I go in and I go to do my business, but there is a, there is a speech that Nate, um, played by Jacob Elordi, says at one point. He has an episode that w- that's very much devoted around him, um, where he says how much he hates going into, you know, going into the locker room because people are so these guys are just so casual, just hanging out. Um, hanging it all hanging out. it all out and my brother kind of would say the same yeah. thing but um but my brother doesn't have the same toxic toxicity levels around him like Nate has such a weird relationship with his own self his own body image his own 
sexuality sexuality in his own version of what it is to be a man and a lot of it that is fed to him by his father his father who it turns out to be one of the um the a person in the first episode that Jules hooks up with and she gets essentially raped at a motel it turns out the enormous reveal is that is Nate's father not only that but with through uh Nate's episode you find out that um yeah his father records all of his yes. sexual experiences with like these men and these trans people yes and it's look very disturbing. He's watching these videos since childhood. Yeah, yeah. Nate's been watching these videos that are of all his father being gross with all of these men that and are all color coded and like oh, a, yeah. like a serial killer. Yeah. So Cal, which I consider him close to being like, he Cal has his father. He yeah. has the machinations of a serial killer. He has the <laughs> methodology. Um, I could see him easily killing. One of his tricks, essentially. Yeah. He doesn't treat these... He doesn't treat these people like people. No. Um, they are his tricks. They're his little tokens. That's why he has to have proof of them. Mm-hmm. Um, he has to be able... He enjoys going back and revisiting them, obviously. Or why else would you record it? Why would you put yourself in this... He doesn't even inform these folks that he's recording them. Oh, absolutely not. And also... Um, a lot of it is child pornography because... He doesn't ask ages, nothing. Yeah, he's... And these people, some of these kids, they look pretty young. Well, he asks Jules. Some of these young boys. He he, asks Jules. He does ask Jules. He asks Jules. Oh, but she lies. And Jules says... But he knows she's lying. A 22. And I'm like... I'm like... You're sitting here and you're like high tops, looking like Sailor Moon. Get out of here with your pigtails. (laughs) I'm like, you show up on a bicycle. Yeah. No, he he knows. (laughs) Because she's... I mean, she's met him on a, like, a grinder app. And that's another thing that is interesting. Jules is on, you know, Jules is on gay, like, apps for gay, gay men, seeking gay men. Which is another situation where you see her going back through her experiences. And it's, like, the same thing over and over again of these men who quote unquote identify straight who are you know i'm 100 percent straight i just want to let you know that and she's like okay <laughs> and your heart is just breaking for her because you just want so much more for jules mm-hmm. um andrew but i'm like like these but i mean that, I'm not, that really is the experience though you know? right like, i also know some it's trans def- women and yes. heard trans women talk about this and it's just like it really does seem like that external validation, it, like, so much hinges on that. Right. It, tra- yeah, this is what trans, this like is. Like, you, you kind of don't, it's like their way of feeling like they are what they believe that they are. Right. And, um, it's really sad because it, I, I mean, in general, even if you're not trans, your, your sense of self really has to come from inside yourself. But when you're like a young teenager and you're trans and you feel as though you can only get your validation from, from men, yes. that's just like a really scary place to be. I've never been in that place, but it, like when I watch it play out, even right. when I watch it play out in real life, it really is like scary to me. Right, and It makes me feel really sad. And it's, and they all seem so much older than her too. I mean, yeah. and again, again, she's not, it's not like it's going to be 
well, it's, that's it's, the type of person that's ready and willing to take advantage exactly. of this, this exact problem. It's like they know what they're doing. They're aware that th- these uh, people are vulnerable in this particular way and they seek it out. Yeah, Cal is the... Cal is a king of that. Yeah. Um, he's And he's not just a... Man, he's a manipulator and a fraud and a bullshit artist in every aspect of his life. So Nate's dad is this person who is, you know... They're clearly a wealthier family. He apparently owns, like, part of the town. Half the city, people say. And he is, like, one of those really... I've grown up with... I grew up in a football town. I saw these men everywhere. They just, you know, on the sidelines. Everything is, like, sports sports and machismo and... There's my quarterback son. You got to become a man and a man and a man. And it's like Jesus Christ. A man and a man and a man. I mean, at one I had one small point where just a tiny sliver of sympathy for Nate. Um it's okay though. You get tiny slivers of sympathy at times and I'm then over it. I don't have it for him. And then he destroys it by doing Awful well, things. I know, like I, I understand that Cal really sucks and that Nate shouldn't have been watching those videos when he was younger. But we like see the backstory and the trauma of all of these kids. I mean, Jules' parents threw her in a, a, a psych ward when she was a child, oh. and Rue lost somebody, and the Cassie and Lexi's dad was like that addict who like ended up stealing from them and all this kind of stuff. And uh, so. So sometimes when it comes to Nate, I'm just like, my dude, like, you're, like, absolutely psychotic. You're, like, really, like, ruining people's lives because your dad is doing weird sex stuff that you can't, like, But I think, yeah, and I don't think that's the only reason, though. Well, I, I mean, think but, I mean, it's, but it's something that started from, it's not the only reason, but it's, like, a really serious, I mean, that's why he stares at himself, himself, himself in the, in the mirror, or, or when, um... His dad, like, tackled him at the end of season two. We're probably going too far into it. Yeah, but, yeah, he's, I mean, he's... Nate is obsessed with self-image, just like his father is. Yeah, it's the same. So this yeah. is a very important thing. Now, his father, as disgusting as it is, he compartmentalizes it where you see the face of his dad, and the public face of his dad and the family face of Cal. Then you have this hidden shit that he's doing, which is damaging and horrible. And, well, Nate's a kid still. Nate's been essentially downloading these images that are and knowingly knowing that it is his father since the age of twelve. It's just too young. It's too young. It's too young, and it's also this. like a very vulnerable time when you're trying to understand your own sexuality and trying to understand what does this mean to me because kids always like really look up to their their parents because they they have to this is their caretaker this person who's taking care of them and 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 just demonstrating what to do right this is this this is what you're saying like how do you even uh mesh that right and it's it is i have to tell you it is disturbing when you see because cal is definitely obviously taking all of these boys and trans folks from behind and you see that that is nate's preferred way as well as well and there's a lot of like you know it's a lot of like the nate is a huge dude by the way Mm -hmm. he's um 
It is almost common. Like, I, I knew one or two guys in high school that were kind of this big, but he's like six foot three. He's way too big. He's way too big. He's way too scary. I don't like his like whispery voice. He's very <laughs> scary. I don't like it. Like Although it. he's Australian in real life, and I think if you heard his voice in your real life, I, I you're know, like, yeah, you're I like, guess. this is better. He's much more like it seems like introverted and uh, well studied as a person. Uh, Jacob is. Oh yeah. yeah, he's very much like yeah. I've read a lot to like understand the perspective of my character. <laughs> well, yeah, I think <laughs> I I would hope that this isn't coming to him naturally, but. Um, Oh, he's just like a fantastic actor, though. I mean, honestly. he's he's a great actor, but it's it's painful. It is very painful to to watch him because he's truly yeah. violent. There's so much violence in this dude. There's so much manipulation in him. At one point in the first season, Rue starts I this. I don't have it for him. Rue starts essentially this. Um, Really, it's just an online texting relationship with someone she meets on one of the apps. And it's a guy that he tells her her name is Tyler. Oh, Jules does. Jules does. Yeah. Um, not Rue, I'm sorry. And um, they haven't met each other yet, but it's one of those situations. We've all gone through this situation. If you've ever used the dating apps where it's like, oh, it's just like I'm talking to this person all the time and we're going to meet and it's going to be great. Yeah, it's a whole fantasy. It's a whole fantasy. You, yeah. you build it up in your mind who this person is. But you don't um, find out until after, I think, the end of the first or second episode that the person on this other end is Nate. And your heart just... Not only does that suck. Not only does Jules have to find that out. But she finds it out and he's like, and also I'm blackmailing you with the images that you sent me of yourself. So, And all of this because he assumes that Jules is going to expose his father or something which but, she has no interest in doing she doesn't care about that i'm just like well, please leave her alone yeah and i could not figure out until like we really started the second season and i'm like oh well he's a fu-. he's still doing that i'm like he's a fucking narcissist teresa because at one yeah, point when oh, he sure, when 100%. he when he gets revealed to jules in the first season it's kind of near, near the end of the first season it's heartbreaking because at first, you're almost thinking, I know I, I've watched this episode twice now, and the first time I saw it, I was like, like, is he about to tell her that he's actually really in love with her? Like, I'm in love with you. I'm uncomfortable. I don't know what this means. He's not going to say, I don't mean, know what this means about my sexuality, but I'm in love with you. But no, I mean, no. That's but that, all the stuff happening under the surface, but this is what he chooses to do. Right. <laughs> So do you think, Psychotic. that's my question, do you think he has genuine feelings for Jules? Yeah, I mean, even in this most recent um, episode where he was dreaming about his relationship with Cassie, you saw how it kept switching to Jules. Yeah, it keep. yeah, so he does, um, he has a relationship with good old Maddie Perez um, in the first season, and Maddie is part of this whole girl group. Well, he's so specific about what it is that he wants out of a a, a woman. Like she, she can't be have body hair, all this stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's no so body particular. hair. Um, yeah, no. So how can he? Um, how can he admit that he has feelings for Jules when she probably has a very important part <laughs> that is against his rules entirely? Like I sometimes I wonder if he's so specific about what women have to look like 
it has to do with his like repression of his well in, his in other my interests. in my experience from men that I knew that would come out later and I would I'm I'm not, I'm saying maybe about six in my life and would have these very either hateful or very limiting views on what they wanted for a woman mm-hmm. um then it would turn out 10 years later I would find that they had discovered that they were queer. Like, oh, girl. I yeah. was just queer. Whatever. Uh, I was, and <laughs> there would be an apology parade, essentially, to these poor girls because it was like, that was my shit. Mm-hmm. That was my shit. That was me trying to figure out something wrong with you because I could not come to Jesus with who I was as a person. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, thanks. Thank you for those years of torture. But that's the first thing I saw with this. Nathaniel was not going to get there. Nathaniel was going to get himself killed or kill somebody else. Like, I don't understand. Like, and, he, yeah, he's... He's so far gone. I mean, like, the fact that he is willing to uh, uh, go on the whole blackmail campaigns behind yeah. this. Yeah, there's a lot of things of, I think, saving some type... Like, he's essentially... Big, tr- kind of really becoming his father. I mean, mm-hmm. he's... Well, he's trying to not become his father, but it's happening anyway. <laughs> right. His efforts are, are, are catapulting him straight to what he's trying to run from. But he does this... It's really effed up because in the first season, he goes through a whole thing of why he chose Maddie, essentially. Yeah. And, like, and you see how kind of Maddie pretends to be something for him that Mm -hmm. she really isn't like this virgin queen because he wants this pure virgin queen um needs to know that she is pure as the driven snow or something before he decides to have sex with her and it's this very near like bring it up during the sex like yes i'm the only one right and she's like sure yes you're the only right it's this very very (laughs) narrow outdated (laughs) definition um and he gets insanely insanely violent we it's crazy because you see that oh that was so scary the second episode like when i watched the first episode i was so excited i connected to rue so much and yes then the second episode of the season when there was uh another guy at a party who ended up maybe having sex with uh with with uh who are we talking about maddie in the pool yeah so, so he we, follows we, yeah him. we come to find out his name is tyler oh because he then goes and uses the tyler name um, as his online persona for Jules, which I found even weirder. It's just like, really weird how all this connects. Like, it's, I think it's actually kind of interesting because I think that, like, everyone, every person is always kind of constructing some really convoluted, complicated thing about their situations that, right. like, you can't really explain to anybody else. But I think that you can see the through line and kind of make the connections of what it, how it is that, that Nate is perceiving the world based on, like, how it is that he is living out his experience. I just think it's really interesting to, to to do the pinpoints. The fact that he even used the name Tyler, which is related to someone else having sex with his perfect pure Maddie, but he only needs her to be the perfect pure Maddie because of how it relates to his experience with sex in general, because of how, you know and what I mean? how it like, reflects on him. Everything yeah. is about how it reflects on him. He's more pissed off. Um, he has to go and beat the ass of this Tyler dude and threaten him with... You know, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Because, by the way, she was 17 years old and you raped her. He's like, I didn't rape her. Like, I don't. 
it's not even even it's not even confirmed if these two had sex because everybody was so drunk. It doesn't really matter, but and this guy just kind of has to take it because again, Nate is on this it's all about this blackmailing. I'm gonna do this to you. And it's bizarre. He like takes his clothes, showers at his place and takes his he, clothes. He like wears his clothes. And I mean, it's it like, is what is this? Serial killer shit. This is serial killer shit. His Nate, serial killer ass dad. I mean, braiding another serial killer. Well, his dad is. Nate, Nate is going to, if Nate is not stopped, he evolves into, into that. Into his dad. And it's just so frustrating to me whenever Cal insinuates that he doesn't like Nate or he doesn't. Like, he wants Nate to be different, and it's just like, do you understand how you have the power here? You have the power to do that for your son. You're not showing up for your son. You're not helping him. You're just mad at him because of how he is. You know what I mean? Yes, but, yeah, but it it doesn't... I think he sees... I don't know. He he. There's a lot of self hate for Cal. He sits there and feels sorry for himself because, oh, no, I fucked up my son. And I guess I'm saying from my perspective, okay, you're not dead. Right, he's if not done If you are acknowledging yet. your role here, then use that role to turn it around. But you're not doing that. You're well, not even going to be honest about your role. And he certainly doesn't seem to give a shit about that older son. They even who even is who even is he? Like they show him at the chili co- for like two seconds, right? But, but Nate, who is this kid? Nate <laughs> mentions, you know, I have, you know, you know, my I have an older brother. My dad pretty much has given up on him. Like, so, like, all of the weird, like, he says he's pretty much given up on him and that he's weak and that me and my dad don't talk much, but we get each other. And they show them firing guns at a a gun range. And I'm like, so, to me, this is Cal. He has the older kid. They don't connect. He's not, he's, this kid is rebelling and not living in Cal's image at one point, you know. So that all of the energy goes to the more... Um, you know, meaningable Nate. And maybe they have more in common, maybe they don't, you know. But he's able to mold him. Mm-hmm. I mean, until... And, it, and he continues to, even after Nate, even after Nate finds the shit when he's 12, I don't think his little 12-year-old brain is computing. I think it just gets even... We're to believe that he's just continued to watch these, like, yeah. up until, like, 17. I, I'm pretty sure he just kind of, I think he has some of them memorized. I think that he can mm-hmm. just play them in his head. And he's very, um, when you see Nate with his friends, he's very aggressive when, first off, he's just physically aggressive with, like, his bros and everything, but it's, He'd everything gets be all up in their face. Everything like, and everything gets everything starts to get really focused on sex and sexuality. Like, mm. like he had to make sure that McKay saw videos that could have been Cassie having sex and nudes that were of Cassie. Like, because he had to make sure that McKay knew. Like, or if you're interested in her, you know, she's just a whore. She's not like a person anymore because she's devalued. Which is ironic when you look at season two, because he started to have he starts to have this undercover relationship with Cassie. Which I, mean, I don't even understand what's going on with that. That she's blonde and she reminds them of Jules in some way. I swear to God, no, no, it, it really is just a Jules fantasy, you know, that he's playing out. That's why I'm saying, like, when he was having that, when he was like in a coma, like imagining his entire life with Cassie, she kept turning into Jules. This is really still about Jules. She did, but he had similar. 
not the same type of fantasies with Maddie, but he did, he, when they showed a couple of the episodes in the first season, it was like gifting lingerie to Maddie and like the cat and mouse game that Maddie and him play with. They're awful to each other of like, you know, she acts like a, you know, they fight publicly at a party together. She almost has sex with someone in front of him. And then he's begging to go out on a date with her two days later. It's like he, he responds to being kicked in the groin. Because that is the relationship. Right, but that's that's even what Maddie was saying, though. Because she was, like, looking at a cat and, and her boyfriend and just like, well, there's no drama. Where's... She's just, like, kind of, like, resol- resigned herself to always having relationships that are similar to the one with Nate, where there's just that sort of... Chaos. There's always ga- games and chaos. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. and it's like they're gonna... It's like he's gonna completely treat you like shit, say horrible things to you, get physical with you. He gets physical with her at one point. I mean, Maddie that is... is so scary. ...very small. And, I mean, the mark that he leaves on her neck, I'm like, I, he's gonna strangle her. He is going to strangle her at... Because at... You know, at one point, Maddie gets into his phone, and it's just a litany of dick pics. There's several. Okay, with that, what did you take from that? I'm like, yes, some of them were probably his, but do you think Nate? Nate has Nate is in on like a grinder esque app, posing as a gay man, a gay, uh, really a gay high school student who's in the closet that is who he's pretending to be as tyler i mean i um, all of everything that he does is just working out because i think he's trauma because don't I you mean, think i'm like he's baiting other people he's on that he is yeah. on that app and he is toying with other men and getting pics from other men mm-hmm. um and it's really all to feed his ego is he queer possibly terrifying man to have in the queer community by the way um with all that self-hate but it's um he's on to me he is on the verge at any time of you know of like snapping and again he gets really oddly aggressively in the second season he gets in mckay's face mckay shows up at this new year's eve party and he's like so physically close to him, like just getting closer and closer to his face. But talking about him having sex with Cassie, right? And the different ways that he may have just had sex with Cassie, and he's just asking, "Did you? Did you? Did you? Did you do this? So did you do this? Did you?" And I'm like, "God damn!" And the way that he was leaning over, I mean, it literally kind of like was sending like a chill up my spine. The way that he was standing and leaning into that was so scary. I oh. I literally, I'm like holding my switch. Like I did. <laughs> no, it ma- I was just staring at that television. Just it, like, what is going on? I mean, it made me sad because I knew some dudes like that in my high school. But That's that was cool. a, a zillion years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, this is supposed to be present day. And the fact that these, like these fuckers still exist angers me. Oh, of course. And- I mean, there, but because there's no, there's. There isn't really outlet for outlets for 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 guys like Nate. I mean, like, where are they going to find support in their in their sexuality? Where it's like right. so, some of the resources that are available are for folks who are already willing to like admit that right. this is true about themselves. I mean, themselves. Um, yeah, where are the resources for someone like him? Right, and also he. It's not only the 
issues with the sexuality or the information, like the, the, what he is. It's, it's being a young man in general, I feel like. But it's also because he's a narcissist with a personality well, disorder as well. Sure, but I there's, mean, that comes from somewhere. There's a therapy. There's some things that need to be integrated into yeah. a household in which no one has gone to therapy in this house. No. Um, and it's, mm. it's scary. So let's get on to one of the things that, oh my God. So when Rue meets Jules, and I think honestly, it's, to me, it's the most love at first sight for both of them, but in different ways. For Rue, like, this is... He's like, this is it. I found it. This is it. I'm going to hold on to this. <laughs> this is it. This is as good as any drug I've ever had. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and I'm sure they had told her in her rehabilitation program, do not jump into a relationship right after this. We advise you not to do that for at least a year. And the first thing that Rue does is she's trying to essentially... I mean, when she meets Jules... She meets Jules um, in the first night. She essentially goes home and has a sleepover at, you know, at Jules's house. They're Just, like already cuddling. <laughs> I mean, they have this sweet intimacy already. And it's like, for Rue, it's like, this is, this is what's missing. Mm-hmm. But it's so delicate. It's so scary. And it puts way too much pressure for Jules to have that. Also, Rue is as high as a fucking kite that first night and Jules has no idea about that yet Jules doesn't have any idea the level of addiction and all of that and Jules is a kid too and all of a sudden you're putting her in a position where she's gonna have to become her and she becomes her caretaker at one point Mm -hmm. and she says to her like this ain't gonna cut it for me like Mm -hmm. I can't be with you I can't be friends with you if you are using drugs and we all know that if the addict does not do it for themselves they're gonna you know she can't she's like all right i'm gonna be straight for essentially for jewels not for her <laughs> it, it, and that's just like a lot of pressure and people kept reminding her too right oh rules rules better and it's because of you like i mean like how am i supposed to deal with that because now it's like if i make one wrong turn is this person gonna end up dead and is that gonna be on me i can't i mean she's already dealing with all the stuff she's dealing with nate's out here blackmailing her i mean i just like it's just too much yeah it's I think that, and I think, I, I was really surprised because at the end of the, the previous season, a lot of the um, Euphoria fandom was really, like, upset with Jules for sort of, like, leaving. Like, how could you leave Yes, Rue? yeah. And, I mean, I understand it's, like, very emotional or whatever, but she is a teenager, and she also was dealing with way more than, like, a young little teenager should be having to deal with. Yeah. Well, I understand her need to run away at all costs. Absolutely. First off, it's... Her life was a nightmare for, like, no fucking reason. <laughs> like, I just can't. Like, Jules, Jules is literally, you know, she's aspiring fashion student. Mm-hmm. You know, she talks at the very beginning, like, essentially, like, that is her dream. Her dream is to go, you know. She also knows that she's, like, not even at 10%. Correct. She's like, honey, I'm going to be this whole thing, but right now I have to be in high school. This is hell. And, <laughs> I mean, Jules is a is a true 
fashion icon. I mean, um, and it is to talk a little bit about the makeup in the fashion, especially the first season. I mean, Mm -hmm. Jules really is very much. The mo- she is the moment. She is the moment. She is very. She is Sailor Moon. She's yeah. it's Sailor Moon mixed in a rainbow with like a silver skirt and like stacked, um, those like stacked tennis shoes, like mm-hmm. those platform tennis shoes, always with a little backpack. All the platforms. Yeah, always on a bicycle with like the pink tips at the end. Like it's like she is a moment. She is ice the cream. Makeup matching the tips. Yeah, the makeup. <laughs> sometimes you know. It's just, it's... The glitter, darling. It's everywhere. Well, you have Rue, who usually is in lots of, probably, I, you Converse. Know, Converse. More, that you know... That we found out belongs to her father. Yeah. I mean, the oversized coats, the yeah. Converse. Um, but, you know, it's Zendaya, so it's... We all know that Zendaya is... Amazing style. We, we know it's... Icon, but in this show, it's... A hoodie. Very much, yeah. She's always trying to kind of hide you can tell when she's getting the most vulnerable because she's got that hoodie on and it's almost like she wants to get sucked up into that hoodie Mm -hmm. um which i all i'm just like there's a scene where this stupid teacher asks ask her makes her get on stage to tell her how was your summer well give me a memory about your summer summer. and like this lady knows that she Oh, deed over the damn summer. <laughs> right. I thought that that was so malicious. Disgusting. And unnecessary. I, I hope that that's not actually happening to any students in, <laughs> across the country. Oh, I, my God. I'm sure that it is and to an extent, even though it's like hyper reality. But Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. The, uh, the mean-spiritedness of that. Yeah. And then, oh, but like Lexi went after her and tried to help. And yeah. Le- was absolutely awful to her, as per usual. But she still tries, doesn't she? Yeah, Lexi, first off, does not get in. I think in the second season, we're going to have a lot more Lexi. But yeah. Lexi's played by uh, Maude Apatow of that Apatow family, of that Leslie man. Not the Apatows. Not the Apatows. Um, <laughs> but she, and she's Cassie's little sister. Um, which I love because could there be two polar opposites of yeah. Cassie who who has put all of her self-worth into mm. essentially being seen as a sexual object, um, which hurts my soul. And that's that's her way of feeling love or feeling acceptance. And then you have Lexi, who is a role follower. Um, and this girl that has like, is essentially to me absorbing all of the stuff around her. Yeah, like she's seeing it. I really, I really relate to her a lot. I was <sighs> watching her sort of in the background, just sort of perceiving, and I was like, "Yes, I know of this experience, and I appreciate you." Yeah, and I know that she has um, a lot going on. She's that person that kind of keeps to herself. I thought it was really funny and exciting that she was talking about the first thing she talked about in the in the new season was she started talking about paganism and Christianity. Yes, and, stuff. and I was like, "Yes, exactly. This is this is my girl." Well, and yeah. <laughs> She, let's face it. She's she's our smartest character for sure, by far. This late, this, I mean, she withdraws and uh, she she sucks in what she what she has to. Yeah, and she's she's witnessing her friends, sense. her sister's friends, the foibles, the crazy shit around there. They are definitely hinting at there is definitely probably going to be a romantic relationship with her and Fezco. 
Oh um, my goodness. So like I felt so sad about that because I feel like <sighs> like Lexi usually goes to these parties and just sort of sits in the corner and like wishes and hopes that something like exactly what happened that night would happen. Where someone would actually see her and think she was interesting and ask her questions and make her feel important. Have a conversation. And it never, and it never happens. Right. And all of a sudden there's someone here who seems like he can like he sees her and she's just like wow and she's so excited about it. And then literally five minutes later he's he almost killed somebody in the middle of the dang party i mean i'm just saying like right. to, to 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 process that um this but person did, yeah, in she... one moment made me feel what i've been looking to feel and then the next moment i mean not to say that it took away from how she she felt about that moment or how she's right. gonna feel about him but i'm just saying that i'm i feel like that was a lot to process it was a lot to process i did think it was interesting too because fezco attacks innate um, you know, it was really scary, but I was kind of like, I don't know. In uh, karma, baby, like I don't know. <laughs> you, I'm like, he's. Oh and it my has god! Press conditioning it out. I don't. I don't know. I was into it. I was into. It. There I, is I there is there is real symmetry into it though. If you think about the second episode of the first season with the first episode of the second season, and what yeah. and Nate oh, Nate yeah, beats Tyler to a pulp. To a pulp. From due to a party, due to a party with this, a similar energy, mm-hmm. and it is to a pulp. It is to the same level, the same level that Fesco gets that him. Fesco gets him. It's and, in action. I love to see it. And the reason, help me. This is what I was missing, missing out on. So earlier in the evening, Fesco said Nate kind of laughs. First off. Fezco is the drug dealer to all these kids. So Fez has sold drugs to all of them. The first episode, you see Nate buying off of Fez. You see everybody is always. Um, Cassie and Maddie buy Molly from him and Ash. Ash being Ashtray's little brother. Who, that fucking kid. He's something else. Um, I mean, he killed a drug pen, but yeah. like, let's, not, <laughs> let's not talk about that. <laughs> but um, he says to him earlier... Some shit goes down at the end of the first season between between Nate and Fez. And I can't remember what it was. Do you remember what it was? Because he says to him, Fez threatens Nate's life at the end of the first season. Yeah. And is it something regarding Rue? And I thought it was because of Rue yeah, and Yeah, he Jules. found out that yeah. some weird stuff was going on with him and Rue and Jules. And yeah. he just says, like, you need, you're going to stop doing this or I'm going to kill you. Right. Like, literally, essentially, leave my girls alone. Because Fez is, what I do love about him is, um, he's a drug dealer, but he... Um, he really cares. He, he really Rue looks out, is... He really looks out for Rue like she's a little sister. Absolutely. Like yeah. that scene in the first season where he refused to give her the drugs anymore. Like oh. he wasn't even trying to make money off of her anymore. He was like, I just want you to live. So I'm actually going to let you in here. Yeah. Because you would just... He knows. That's the whole thing. And he uses that um, that saying that his grandma says to him, like, listen. And McDonald, like I had a... You had an uncle... Who died from like a heart attack because they were eating uh, McDonald's three times a, three times a day. I'm not gonna run out and sue McDonald's. So you hear him repeat that logic to yeah. Lexi about being yeah. a drug dealer. So he's able to kind of, in a way, compartmentalize. compartmentalize. But yeah. he also notice no notices that Rue is a fucking addict. He does not want this girl that he sees as a sister dying on him um that would be i think that would destroy him 
Um, because I do think he really does see her. And so him, she's sister uh, without a shadow of a doubt because that's sort of his life experience is a child showing up and him just taking that person in as right. his brother. So this is just what he does. When when someone who is vulnerable is just suddenly in his space, okay, you're family, like, let's go. That's what he got to do when he was a kid. So right. that would just continue to uh, replicate like that. Right. And I'm sure there's a connection because he knows that Rue lost her father. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure that's huge. And yeah. it it kills me um, in this in this second season when that violence turns. But he's pushed. He's pushed by Nate because of Nate, again, with that height. Nate is taller than everyone, guys. He's like, he's he leans over to Fez and he's like, hey, remember last time I talked to you? You said you're going to, that you were going to beat my ass or something. And you really think, all right, that's, that's going to be the end of it. And because he, he's just like, oh, you know, that was last year. And he walks away it's a from new it. Year. And then he just turns right back around and dishes out that karma, baby. I don't know. And I think right at midnight <laughs> and the way it's timed, it's like right at mid, like right at oh midnight. My God. And Rue and Jules are having their like re- reuniting <laughs> and they're, they're having that kiss in the middle of the party. Yes. It's so very dramatic. And this is also what's going on. So yeah, like Rue <laughs> has... <sighs> By the second season, and by the, uh, you know, by the time Jules is left um, of the first and the first season, because Jules comes back, but she gets on that train and Rue doesn't. Rue has begun using again, like immediately, and Rue she almost dies at the party if she wasn't with that new friend. Yeah, and Rue's and Rue is back to fully using again. Um, and she lies to Jules again and says she's not, um, which I'm kind of surprised at this point that Jules can't discern, but I, it just seems as though Jules is just kind of like eager for things to return back to normal and she's just like willing to ignore. Well, she's definitely a people pleaser too. Yeah. Jules is a, I mean, she kind of wants everyone to be cool and. I think that she's also relieved that, um. That Rue seems willing to take her back. Yeah. Um, yeah, she definitely seems relieved by the when she sees her outside by the fire. Because she looks terrified of, like, why, she Why did it. they film it that way? I mean, the way that they were filming it, the shadows looked so strange on her face. And she was so wide-eyed and, like, terrified. Just, like, approaching Rue. Just to say, like... Hi. Everything. I felt like everything in this episode was so crazy was like, high stakes. Was, yeah. You so know. high stakes, whether it be, you know, some drug dealer has you in the shower demanding you take your pants off, or you're literally just walking up to your ex and saying hi. It, like, at the same level of intensity. Or, you're, I was or like, you're having sex in a bathroom while your best friend is knocking on the door outside demanding to come in. I hated that when Cassie was in the bathroom and, like, it was like her phone was going to ring and... Yes, the level of tension in this season two, episode one. But here's the thing. Also, I think a lot of it has to do with where it's it's New Year's Eve and um, I've stopped having... I used to have so many... I used to build up New Year's Eve so much and I I did. Mm -hmm. I, I understand that, like... New Year's Eve and it's gonna be a new, new year, year and everything new is gonna be better me. and like these kids are so young that they have that like mm. in a way expectation level like you're you're even seeing like with Kat and you can even see like the 
like she's there with Ethan, but she doesn't really seem to be there emotionally with Ethan. And, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's going through their little thing. Everyone's going through their own little, I call it their own little story in their mind, right? Right. Yeah. So maybe for Rue, who is on drugs and almost essentially dies at this party um, when she meets her new friend, Elliot, which who I don't think is going to be a good influence on her. Well, um, at least he's aware of it. Because I know, remember before watching yes. the season, uh, that, that episode, I was like, this is bad. Like, they're going to end up uh, uh, killing each other on accident. They have this right. relationship. But it seems as though he is trying to be like, do you think that this is a good idea? So, I don't know. We'll see how that plays yeah, out. Yeah, I'm hoping that somebody comes to their senses um, on that. Because <laughs> that scared the shit out of it me. It seems like he has unlimited access to drugs. And that's not a good friend for Rue. No. Because we all know that Rue never has any From money. From her perspective, this is great. This is great. I'll just go over Elliot to get Blaze. Right. Like, I don't got to spend anything. But it's not great because you won't be doing anything at all. Yeah, the, the only one of <laughs> these, will be gone. these teens that seems to be bringing in money... Um, is Kat with her cam business and oh my maybe I guess Maddie is babysitting here and there. Um, I didn't like that. Yeah, there is a very that was weird suggestive, right? predatory potential predatory relationship going on between. I don't know if they. I don't know if it, I don't. the mother of the child that she was babysitting now. Like it seemed like they were hinting towards that. And you know what's fucked up is that like I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if she kind of leans into it, just so that she's able to continue to try on those outfits. Oh yeah, Maddie's not below that. Maddie, yeah, yeah at all. And um, I'm like, I'm gonna be very uncomfortable if this goes down this path. But you know, I see this as a possible. You know, I'm just hoping it does not turn into the possible bored, wealthy, suburban couple that wants to fuck around with the teenage girl. That's oh. what I'm hoping it doesn't turn into. You mean like both of them? Yeah. Ew. I'll be like, God damn it, Sam Levinson. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. I think the, what did you think about some of the just changes with the look? So obviously we see a big metamorphosis with Kat in the first season, um, Kat kind of going from, I don't want to say like nerdy, but a little bit more bookish and conservative to a full like, you know, lipstick dominatrix. She liked him like lightweight, like a light goth or something. Light, hot like topic emo. dom. Yeah, hot topic. I mean, she looks great, but it's such a, it's such a put on, she is trying to, Come there into was her something own. that she was trying to emulate in particular because she was trying to come across a certain way. She was like, "No, I'm I'm throwing myself into this energy." So she put together outfits that look like that to her, right? You know what I mean. But it is very, very hot topic, yeah. and um, so I was interested to see how this this second season. We don't have as many glittery eyes in this second season. Um, like makeup wise but like we it, just, it seems as though we're really going deep into the consequences of everything that was set up in the last season so i'm just like wondering if we're even going to get as much glitz and glam in this one no just even, just, even from just looking at the trailer it just seems as though I, I mean i was looking at it like are these kids gonna be happy like no are they gonna have a moment of peace it felt like a lot of um that first episode of the second season 
visually felt like one after the other Polaroid shots. Mm. Even the way they film it as it's leading up to um, essentially the ball dropping and essentially Nate getting the hell beat out of him. It's leading up. They just show flashes as if somebody went in with like a Polaroid, like a camera in a fully dark room and you see a flash of this and a flash of that. And everything is like the most dramatic look. Like it's Jules like crying a little bit, (laughs) but looking beautiful. And then it's Kat looking far away when Ethan is looking up at her by her side, you know, and it's like them being distant. And then you have like Lexi kind of looking longingly at Fez, but they have this also, I thought that was interesting And I loved it because you see this relationship with her and Fez. She does show up at his place of work, um, like the Quickie Mart, um, the second episode. But when you first see them, they're on this couch and there's this huge huge gap between them. He's not all up on her business. Mm -hmm. He's not in. You don't see that in this episode with these men, especially these men with these women. These men are on them. Yeah. To the point where I'm like, God. Even like even when even when the girls are just like, do a quit back, which is like really just like leave me alone. They're just like, oh wow. Right. They lean in even more and, and it's like, just like oh my god. And like Fez it's, it's really claustrophobic. Yeah. It's it's a lot. And me, you, it's hard for me to look at. And you see it a lot with uh I don't know. This Cassie thing is I, I was I was hoping a more of an evolution for Cassie's character, and it's from the trailers. It looks like it seemed like she tried and failed immediately. Unfortunately, because she got wrapped up with Nate, who is a master manipulator. He is, but if you look at, she has a very uh, short memory. This is the sad mm-hmm. thing. We're really talking. We're we're talking the same year. Also, by the time the second season hit, I kept on thinking it was the second year, no. but it's not. We're the same year. Mm-hmm. So just months ago, Nate was, say, talking shit to her, to McKay, coloring McKay's perception of her, um, saying things in front, like making fun of the fact that his friend McKay was dating her. Like, but in front of her. And I'm like, this dude has humiliated you in front of you. I mean, isn't that exactly what it is? It's like this person who was looking down on me, now they want to give me affection, I mean, yeah, it's she's always chasing the affection that she misses from her father. Okay, so wasn't that just the same? I mean, so also, and I know that we're jump, I'm jumping, but I just got to bring that up. The reflection of some of these parents, we don't see a lot uh, with we don't see a lot with um, Jules's dad, but he seems pretty cool. He definitely seems he's probably like, the most regular out of the parents. Yeah, and he's definitely the parent that... He's a little bit too loose. Loosey-goosey. Yeah, like his, but but he accepts Jules as Jules, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's supportive he of the yeah. transition, all of that, which I think is beautiful. Um, and then we have <laughs> Cassie and Lexi's mother never seen without a glass of um, rosé, always a glass of rosé, and she's—you all know that I've always known this mother growing up, yeah. who's just a little bit too. Um, she's just a little bit too open with the friends coming over, mm-hmm. and a little bit too flirty with the boyfriends coming over mm-hmm. or the girlfriends coming over, and it's like, really, mom? 
Like, please stop. And, like, at one point, she... Now, mind you, her daughter is a junior in high school. This is shit that would never happen. She allowed... <laughs> no, she's a senior in high school. Cassie's a senior. Still never happened. She allows her to go in, spend the weekend at her boyfriend's dorm. Yeah. At college. And she's like, just don't get pregnant. And I'm like, bitch... This is something she can wait for. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be a prude, but inappropriate. This 17-year-old girl is not going to spend the weekend with her. Co- She's just not. Not on my watch. Yeah. She can wait for that. Especially. And that was a mess. Because didn't McKay get hazed? And it was, like, traumatic. And That hazing was gross. All hazing is gross. Oh, yeah. Because it was, like, drink this four loco. Whoever's the last to drink the four loco. You have to, you know, strip off. Then we strip. Drink drink the fish. They get to strip off the clothes. They strip off the clothes and then they're all calling the guy faggot. And I'm like, so that's a lot of stuff going on there. You heterosexual men. Um, That made me uncomfortable. Gross, but very, very hazing. Very, I think, extremely truthful. The fish shots. I mean... And then he got, like, really, like, weird, violent with her, again, with sex. And I'm just like, Cassie. And the fact that that's the best boyfriend we have seen from her, and he's still awful. Because he's no good. I think his heart's bigger, but he cares too much about what other people think. And so much about his weird football thing oh it's all about him yeah it's all about he's never asking cassie about what do we know about cassie like what are you don't know anything you know she has she is well endowed because that's all people talk about her is her body they talk about her body first and that's about it but you know well, that's and that's you know that's what's really sad because she I don't think she knows much about herself either. She knows that she has these things and that's how she can get affection. She's an ornament. Yeah, you know. I mean, Maddie in a way is too, but Maddie is in control of every situation she is in. Mm-hmm. She, you know, it broke my heart because when she came back from essentially her boyfriend attacking her, that's the first time you really see a vulnerability because she starts crying. She mm-hmm. sees that scar. And she, I think she realizes right then, I can't control this situation. Because mm-hmm. she's had, because she's, because of her family life, she's had to also learn how to control situations. And Rue's mom's doing the best she can, but I feel like I would be that mom. I feel yeah. like I'd be like. That lady lost her husband. She got all these medical bills to take care of. Her, her child's a drug addict now. I mean. You like all you're doing is you're just trying to keep your babies alive. You're like yeah. you're my babies, and also she knows that Rue has the skill level to lie. Just look her right in the face and, and completely lie. And she's been doing it forever. And um, the only person that I think that really gives, I mean, Jules does sometimes. Fez does, and Al, who's. Um, Essentially, her sponsor at NA, played by the amazing Coleman Domingo. They're the only, I mean, he rides her to, he, you know, he reads her to filth. Uh-huh. He knows she's, he's like, you know, little girl, I've been, 
He's like, I'm the Minnesota fats she, I of mean, junkies. She I, really thinks she knows something. She really thinks that she knows. I mean, and I think he's kind of, <laughs> I think he's kind of like charmed and delighted by the fact that she thinks that she's yeah, clever. It's hilarious. Like, like, look at her go. Like, look at little girl well, I'm go. Just like, I, just like, I just like to recognize myself in, in Rue as well. And I just think it's so funny because I, I sometimes I think about past versions of myself. But yeah. I'm like, oh, you're... You're so dramatic. Like, oh, you think you figured that out. That's so fun. You're cute. Come here. (laughs) I know. Isn't it funny, though, when you can look back at your your younger version and be like, holy shit, I thought I knew what I was talking about over here. And I just did. And like, it's always like an internal, like, you're you're so irritated because people are telling you you don't know something. It's like, yes, you do. And it's like, no matter what you do, you can't prove to them. And it's like, honey, that's like not what's going on. Right. But I'm yeah. sorry, like the position that you are wanting people not to see you as, that is how they're seeing you because it's accurate and it's okay. <laughs> so I did I did find out that the one character um, of, there's at least two characters, I guess they have HBO scouts just out there. The character of BB was found in like a Columbus mall and there was like an HBO casting scout. Oh my, is this the one, the, the lady with the big lips? No, that's Cherry. No, she was found somewhere too. Okay, she was Who's Bibi. Bibi is the one you didn't see. Oh my god, I know what you're talking about. Okay, she Bibi. is hilarious. She is the one who's always vaping. Oh my god, and dude. they see her get pulled into the principal's office, and she's like. I ain't saying nothing without my Lori's like, uh, no one is arrested. <laughs> she is always saying, she's like, remember that time when I got pregnant? She's like, yeah, my pregnancy will not be like yours, BB. I'm like, what is that about? What is, what is, what's going on with BB, man? BB always in like some type of like Adidas-esque. Adidas. Adidas. <laughs> and she is, we know this girl. This is a cash me outside bad baby <laughs> type I mean, and she's always just... She just is, like, there with, like, the other female main characters. Like, she's just a part of their clique, but she doesn't, like, have her own story. But she's really just there to, like, do the one-liners and make the faces. (laughs) And suck on that vape. Oh, of course. And I was happy to see her reemerge. Because she went Mm a-missing. And we need... We need... BB for some comic relief. Comic relief because there's just so much tension. That's what I'm saying. Okay, like I didn't. I'm when I tell you that I was sitting here holding my video game to my chest and didn't realize till 20 minutes later that it was still sitting there and I was just staring at the television because there was just so much tension that I couldn't process. And I yeah I oh my gosh just from the just from the opening just from the moment it's the, even them even like Rue embarrassing herself in the car was too much for me. Yeah, I'm roosting in Tupac, and it's like, um, can you shut the fuck up? Yeah, like, for real. Like, you, okay, you guys are going to, first of all, though, why the fuck is Rue there? Yeah, so, the second... I don't really understand why Rue was with them, and then how did we get to the party, and is that before or after this? I'm really confused. Yeah, the, the, it's a little bit disjointed how this season two opens up. I think that it's supposed to be intentional, but I'm also just like... A fast coat brings her to the party. So, but before the party, before the party So is, we're supposed to think, so we're supposed to know that that, everything that happened there happened before this party? I think so. Okay. Gotcha. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, I could be wrong, but it is. <sighs> well, okay. Did, I, but really quick, something else I was confused about. So first of all, at the end of the party, uh, Fez was saying to Ashtray, like, okay, like, go get the car. Like, let's wrap it up. Right. Do you think that he intended 
do you beat up Nate and then get in the car and go? And that's why they were wrapping up? Or was there something else going on? No, I think he was intending. He was intending to I, get Nate. I think that... I think Nate staring him down during the whole party. I think him sitting there, even though he has this great interaction with Lexi... I think him sitting there and kind of watching Nate and what a fucking punk bitch he is and the fact that he's done this shit. He's been like a terrorist to some of his friends. He's talked literally. Down, he's talked down to Fez on a number of occasions. And he knows because how he was brought up and what is established early on in that Sometimes episode violence is the only way. Is that you gotta make a mark mm. and you gotta you got to make him realize that I can't be fucked with. That mm-hmm. my family is not fucked with. Because to him, yeah. his family is him and Ash and really Rue. Yeah. And Jules by kind of I, Jules adjacent by, by proxy. So yeah. I think no matter what he knew, he's going to know before the end of the night. Mm-hmm. But that's that, not that, what's not what he thinks is going on is not what's going on. He's like, because he said that fucking shit. Because he's watching him mm-hmm. throughout that night, and he knows that if he lets it go, he can't let it go. Mm-hmm. He knows that just like his grandma, she has that situation which ends up, which unfortunately results in Fez getting like. <sighs> Which I think still is why he talks so slow. Yeah, because he gets in. They show in the first episode in a flashback that that uh, his his grandmother accidentally his grandma, hits him yeah. in the head because she was hitting somebody else with like a a bat or something. Oh, a like crowbar, a, a crowbar. Oh my god! Because it's someone who she's a she's um, a drug dealer, someone who owes her money, and someone who, and I'm sure as being a female in this racket. You know, it's pretty much established that she has to go in often with guns blazing. She's got to go in hot a lot because she's a woman. And because you have to, she probably has to go back. And she's like, they got to know this after one fucking like digression towards me that this is not going to fly. That they're not going to fuck with me again. He's learned that from her. Mm -hmm. And he's probably thought, I let this go too long already. Probably. In a way. But again, what has happened in the interim? Little Ash has killed off oh one God. of the main mouse, who is the scariest looking fucking oh dude I've God. ever seen in my life. Tell me there is not a scarier dude. When I think of scary, scary, scary uh, drug dealers, I think of this. Holy shit. Oh. But the, 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 the fact that little Ashtray... <laughs> Little Astray took him out? With a hammer. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. Well, you are... I... <laughs> He's been around nothing but oh a violent God. world his whole life as well. It's it's so startling to me. Like, it's... <laughs> it's horrifying. Oh, my God. But he also sees this threat. Ash might be better oh at this God. game, sadly, even than, than Fez. Fez. I know. Um, which yes. is... I agree. Which is... When you were saying everyone comes and gets their stuff from, from Fez, I was thinking, and sometimes it's just from Ashtray. <laughs> Ashtray yeah. just sits there dipping it out. Yeah, Ash is... Together. Yeah, Ash... It's, Fez, I think, has... Because here's the thing. Fez had a little bit of a life before Grandma Ma took him in, right? So... Yeah. He, he had a little bit... It wasn't great. 
He had a mom who couldn't take care of him and a dad that was a piece of shit. But he but knows what it's like to live and not be a drug dealer. He knows what an alternative life kind of... He has some memory of that. Ash yeah. has not no other memory. This is all he's known. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely one of the most shocking moments, though, in that first season. And all and, he has is intense loyalty for his brother. Right. Right. Well, Fez has a huge heart, though, too. You don't see well, not, not to take anything away right. from Fez's loyalty, but I'm just saying that, like, you know, from Ashray's, I mean, his brother, that's it. That's what he got. That's, but it's probably, I, I'm sure they were not quiet with the story of how Ash ended up on their doorstep, though. Yeah. Because Ash was really <laughs> used as a... Uh, uh, take it? Take <laughs> abducted? Yeah, he was um, collateral. Yeah, he was collateral, collateral yeah. for, uh, for a uh, woman who owed a grandma grandma money for drugs and said listen i'll take your i'm gonna take your kid until you can come and give me get me that money and she she didn't come back from the kid so literally named him ashtray because (laughs) what his kid this kid is smoking cigarettes from a a smoking them eating them oh my god (laughs) they have this baby eating cigarettes i mean it is this show stresses me out bro (laughs) it is I, i love the kids like i i have like a I love the kids. So, so do it's I. Just so difficult to see this. It's also good to watch. It's like very entertaining, and it like really gets my emotions pumping. But sometimes it's like really a lot from my heart. Yeah, I do because want I more know humor, that though. even yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that even though even though like this is like really hyper, uh, you know, it's for television, so it's like exaggerated hyper reality. The way yeah. that there are some children having um, similar experiences to what some of these kids are going through, it's just. I have to meditate a lot to decompress from the understanding of that. It's not a show. Our friend Mackenzie decided to essentially binge watch all of the first season. And I was like, this is not a show Mm -hmm. that you can easily binge watch. Mm -hmm. You will feel, don't you? I was like, are you okay? Do you feel skittish? Yeah. Because to me... You got to breathe through these episodes. And they're honestly, some of these episodes are done so, really so beautifully. The cinematography of it all. Yeah, the cinematography is gorgeous and everything. But the um, the tension. The tension, yeah. I forgot about so many of these episodes that have that. For example, when we were talking about when Mouse shows up. He shows up. Uh, he's really the guy controlling the drug flow. For Fez and Ash. And when he shows up to uh, essentially get his money uh, to drop off the drugs and get some money from them. Uh, Rue is there. And the situation, he essentially forces her to take fentanyl. fentanyl. Off the end of like a knife or some shit. Yeah. And it is such a tense, uncomfortable Mm. scene. Like my Mm. skin yeah. Was absolutely crawling. You watch the whole time with like Fez, how he's reacting. You see Ash literally in the corner, tense as hell. So early on, Ash is clocking all of this, which I thought was interesting. So the next couple episodes when he goes wrong, goes on off and kills him, I'm like, I I don't know why I'm shocked, but it's shocking because he's so little. Because he's what, 12? Yeah. <laughs> he's just like this little dude and he does it. He only knows doing what you got to do. He's doing what he's got to do. That's it. Um, 
But yeah, so what is your biggest, this is how we're going to end it. What is your biggest, if you had to have um, a wish for our girl Rue, mm. what would it be for this season? Because right now I'm very worried. I, so I don't know if this is like a controversial opinion because I know that peop, people are really huge fans of her and Jules, but I want her to get to a place where she doesn't feel like she needs to be with anybody. Yes. Like, I, I, when they had the big kiss and all of that, I wasn't even like, oh, well, reunited. That's not how I felt. I felt like, so are we just going to gloss over things? Are we I was not happy anything? about it. I No, I was not happy about it either. I, I, don't, I put my I head... I want her uh... to not re- even rely on this Elliot person. Nobody. Like, I just... I mean, it's not going to happen... Probably because it didn't happen for Sam and Teen Hill either. Right. But I just... She just needs to kind of withdraw entirely from the life that she's living. Yeah, I want... My biggest wish for Rue is to find out truly what brings joy to Rue. Yeah. Um, She brings it up. She she thinks she can only be happy when she's high, and she's very convinced about that. Right. But it's, it's not true. And she it's brings it up to Ali. That yeah, that like, yeah. she's like, I don't have anything that I'm passionate about. She's like, and I think mostly when people say that they're lying. And people think it's really sad, but I don't think it's sad. And No, and I, 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 I really relate to a lot of her perspective. And I understand why she takes it so seriously and why she really thinks it's the truth. She <sighs> thinks she is seeing the actual reality of the world. Right. And everybody else is just like, faking it or like right. lying to themselves or all this stuff and she's just the only one who's willing to admit that this is all that there is and it's like no honey you're like depressed and dependent <laughs> on, right. on substances it's it's really heartbreaking <laughs> like, and i'm like but what is her you know you, you i mean jules has this dream of parsons and mm. uh, i mean I don't I don't quite know what Maddie's dream is, but I think somebody says her dream is to marry Rich while you have like other people's dream, you know. You definitely know, know that Lexi is on, you know. Lexi's our smartest character and she has she's intelligent. She's going to have some type of course and some type of passion. Yeah. You finally get to That's see some of that in the second season, but it's like and you know, Nate's got his football, I guess. But um, if he doesn't, if he doesn't die before the end of the season, but I, I don't, I don't know what gets I, her up in the Rue, morning besides Rue doesn't realize drugs. that she's a storyteller. I right. mean, Sam based his character off of himself, so you would think, oh, Rue's going to go on to, to create television shows, but she doesn't even know that she's a storyteller. Right. She's but she's a narrator. She sits there and and narrates everybody's stories. Exactly, and that's really yeah. So it's you're, her voice that's narrating everything. That's what she's passionate about. Yeah. And observing everything around her and her reading. But right now, as, as, a, as a teenager, like, it's just so warped, the, the conclusions that she's coming to. But it's like, if she were able to get healthier, she, yeah, she would just be a storyteller. That's what yeah. she's passionate about. Yeah, so those are my big, please, God, Rue, do not. And I'm hoping, <laughs> and I was very not happy with, and again, I have to remember, Jules is supposed to be 17 years old, but I was not happy with Jules's breakdown reaction. Like, she's feeling a little threatened by the presence of Elliot. That was unnecessary. I don't understand why she was so freaked out. Well. Immediately. Did she, why did she just assume the worst? She also could be assuming, 
I, I, like, I could understand it. But if, she's more concerned that there's cheating going on and less concerned about the drugs, and I just don't understand. I, yeah, and I wished, I was hoping that, well, if it, if it's that she knows that this person does drugs, that I can understand her crying in the bathroom and freaking out. Oh, but, do you think that that's what she thought? No. I think, I think she just she's, thought she had competition. I think it's 17-year-old competition, and she's never had competition for Rue's affections before. Yeah, and this is, is a new true. emotion, yeah. um, which is very normal and human and everything. But I'm like, and she knows also that she probably can't display this in front of Rue. Mm-hmm. That's another problem with because her she essentially it's the walking around eggshells mm-hmm. with Rue because she doesn't want to be responsible for a relapse. She doesn't really she's already <laughs> she's already using. Ah, Sam Levinson, what the fuck? We didn't mention the music, so no, we did not mention the shout music. out to Labyrinth. Yes, <laughs> we got to shout out. Labyrinth We're shouting out for creating Labyrinth. the other character in Euphoria, which is the music. The best, I would say, soundscape mm-hmm. out there. Um, just, oh, 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 I mean, it just, it just hits you. It's like, okay, I'm here. Like I'm in the world. You just do. Listening to yeah. It's, it's a beautiful marriage between that and the cinematography. Um, yeah. and that was, you know, a brilliant move. Sam Levinson is, he knows the right music drops. And I mean, I'm hoping that. The seventeen-year-olds are listening to Tupac. Still, I don't know if that's happening. And that Rue would know every word to that song. I don't know. I feel like Rue is nerdy enough to be listening to Tupac. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, if not the not that Tupac is nerdy, obviously, but like she would view it as nerdy. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, she knows every fucking word. Okay, that's yeah. cool. But I'm like, so some. I'm like, I'm like, I absolutely could see this. This is how this party would be, though. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the music. This is, like, the vibe and everything like that. But I'm like, that was a... First off, I never went to a... I, I'm not from California, but I never went to a high school New Year's Eve party like that before. Where are these parents? I'm not sure if I would want to. That seems stressful. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, someone got beat to the pulp in the middle of the party. I'm out. Well, we also we also we have many parents that are terrified of their own children yeah. in this series. We do. No, I'm not saying. Scary. Yeah, I don't. I well, we have parents that are also wrapped up in their own dramas, so they can't really, you know, worry that much. Like Maddie's parent, like Maddie's They're, parents. Marriage is crumbling all around them, and you know, we got the whole Nate situation. His mother has lost her her husband, is a drug addict himself. Yeah, and so is she. So is she. Oh, yeah, she's addicted to her. uh, Her her Cassie's mother is never without the rose, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it's um. The parents are very interesting, not written again, maybe Rue's mother. The only one really in the most affectionate. Um, like, well, but it, it like, makes sense that it's it's Rue's, uh, uh, Rue and uh, Jules parents are actually able to to get along because they're, they're probably the closest to the nor- to normal parents on the show. Oh, absolutely. But yes, the soundtrack i I will have on the website um, popcultureperstephanie dot com. Always make sure to go to the companion website because I have a bunch of other stuff, lots of visuals. But I will have on the website. Um, Probably Spotify links 
for about three different Euphoria playlists that I listen to mm. that has the music directly from it along with music from Labyrinth and then music inspired by it, um, which is really great. But um, it's scored perfectly. Very similar to how, like, the music drops in Yellow Jackets that I can't stop talking about. Great music drops in this. And, um, God, in these te- I I was never this, I was never this confident. But the posturing of some of these teens, God damn. Like, BB alone. Yeah. BB alone. <laughs> Holy shit. And they're all faking it, which is great. Which is the great, great, great part. Oh, now, here's my one... My one criticism. Here we go. With the music. There is no way that Nate would be listening to. Uh-oh. Did anybody... Oh God, now I'm, now I'm going to forget his name. Damn it. What's his name? Mask. He always wears the mask. He's like a country singer. <laughs> I, I, uh, you almost me. He is, but he's a queer country singer. Um, I see. Okay, look this up for me. Okay. I'm losing my mind. Yes. Um, Google to the rescue. Look up masked, masked queer country singer. Gay masked country single <laughs> singer. Orville Orville Pack. Pack. Yes. Um you guys will hear it. Um but he's list- he's got one of the most it's a very, like, a neo-country... Oh, when was he listening to it? Oh, when he was in... When he was driving, I don't know, 110 miles an hour in his truck going to the New Year's Eve party I with don't know. Cassie. I'm looking at this person, and it seems... Like, if he was if he was listening to this artist, I would think that it probably was intentional. Because if, when you look behind the eyes, that may as well be him. I feel like he probably, like, sees himself. See, identifies. Artist. Oh, this this artist is very openly gay He's man, gay, but then. he's also still, like, has, like, a rugged sort of yeah. energy. Maybe he's, maybe. like, maybe he's working out, like, maybe I can exist as myself someday. <laughs> but, like, he's not processing it that way. I mean, it's, I just, it's, I, I'm kind of being facetious about it. He's, he's, um, it works perfectly for the scene. Yeah. It works perfectly for this scene. Um, but, like, that scene, I felt like my head was going to explode. Because I've been mm. in the car with, like, dudes like that. Who are that, just, like, speeding. and Like, that's going to go 100 miles an hour for no reason. And I'm like, this I is... I was terrified. When, when Cassie just, like, started to enjoy it, I was like, okay, well, I'm glad she's having a good time. And that she doesn't think that she's in a horror movie. But I think she's in a horror movie. Yeah. She likes being in a horror movie, though. Yeah. Cassie likes to feel uh, alive like that. It's the validation, but... There's a lot of that with these kids. It's very concerning. These children. Well, listen, Mo, thank you so much. This was so much fun. So make sure, Yes, make sure you go on the contributors page to learn more about Mo, always. And make sure to go to popcultureforseventy.com for additional information. Um, Coming up on the podcast in the next couple weeks hopefully hopefully we will be having the jared leto is this person a villain episode um with mr benjamin hess yes um the answer is (laughs) yes i do believe that as i have said many times before that jared leto will be our next questionable person um 
that oh, emerges. Coming. Oh, it, it's a coming. But wait, I'm, for, wait for those news stories. Okay? Wait for those news stories just to bubbling up. Um, yeah. But I will right be, I'll be talking about that soon. I also have a episode coming up even prior to that, hopefully with um, repeat guest hostess Rachel Droder. We will be talking about the fabulous. Droder. Jennifer Coolidge. You know her. Talking about Jennifer Coolidge's career and some of our favorite moments of Jennifer Coolidge-isms. I love that last name. It it just sounds refreshing. It it does. And I love Jennifer Coolidge. Coolidge. And I love, (laughs) and I love, she's like, I just want a hot dog. It makes me think of the 4th of July. (laughs) So that's some things to keep on your, um, just keep on your calendars that will be coming up. All right. I love you, popsters. Talk to you later. Thank you. Yeah.